Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money and the Market. I'm Hong Bin Jung. A recent Bloomberg survey revealed that this year's U.S. stock market rally is strong enough to weather higher bond yields. With the soft landing narrative for the world's biggest economy gaining traction, the majority of 331 respondents expect losses for S&P 500 index to be contained to less than 10% should yields on the 10-year Treasury resume their climb and hit 4.5%. So that would mean, or that would allow rather, the U.S. equities benchmark to hold on to some of its 18% year-to-date gains. And meanwhile, Asian stocks have also advanced as traders bet that China's latest property stimulus measures will aid the economy and data suggested that U.S. interest rates may be approaching a peak. So to find out more, I'm joined by Thelan Wickramasinghe, who is the head of equity research at Maybank Securities, to delve further into these fascinating market movements. Thelan, welcome to the show. Great to be back, Hongmin. Good to have you back. So, Thilan, looks like Asian markets majority are in the green today. How are markets faring to kickstart this new week? What's moving markets today? Yeah, you're right. So the markets in Asia have opened the week positively. Mm-hmm. There is optimism on China's property sector, especially after a distress bill that got approval to extend their uh, mm-hmm. maturing bonds. We also get are seeing the U.S. soft landing narrative getting a lot more traction. Mm-hmm. So all of this is giving um, some good tailwind to the Asian market, especially in Hong Kong as well as in Singapore. Okay, okay. So you've mentioned China and U.S. moving markets today. We'll dive in a little deeper in China in just a moment. But let's just first talk about U.S. stocks here. I mean, analysts, they're saying that the stagflation crisis affecting Europe, combined with a property downturn impacting China, they're adding a bull case for U.S. stocks. Thilan, are U.S. stocks the place to be right now for equity investors? So U.S. market is certainly in a Goldilocks moment, right? Mm. I mean, earnings estimates are being marginally dialed up, yield expectations are peaking, then, and there is still a lot of stimulus money sloshing around. But we have to be mindful of valuations, uh, which are not cheap this late in the cycle. Mm-hmm. So we think there is some defensiveness that is needed. Emerging markets, on the other hand, are at multi-decade discount to U.S. equities. PEs are around uh, at a 50% discount, mm. especially if you take markets in Southeast Asia, Singapore, Thailand, Indonesia, Malaysia, valuations are rock bottom. Government policy is quite accommodative and there's large domestic consumption bases and they're also net beneficiaries of the whole US-China trade war. Mm -hmm. So we think for investors, while uh, you know it's good to have a weight in the US, they should also look to diversify and build some defense, uh, Mm -hmm. especially uh, by looking into and buying emerging markets. Diving into some economic news out of the U.S. as well. I mean, last Friday, we saw August payrolls report data release, and it reinforced a showing of a pickup in labor hiring and a slight slowdown in wage growth. Is this indicating a soft landing for the Fed with respect to policy tightening? Yeah, so I think we're seeing an orderly cooling in the U.S. Mm -hmm. labor market. And this certainly adds muscle to the soft landing narrative. Now, the question is whether the Fed will review their dot plots 
uh, in this month's mm-hmm. FOMC meeting. This meeting normally provides some outlook into 2024 as mm-hmm. well, uh, and we are looking for about a 200 basis point cut going going into 2024, uh, with U.S. growth expected to come in around 0.5 percent, so a bit of a slowdown. Mm, I see, I see. And bond investors, they also, you know, appear to be relieved with that data as well after a hectic sell-off period in August that saw 10-year yields, I mean, hit the highest since 2007. Thilan, what's next for bond markets now? So as you said before, I think the softening U.S. Uh, labor market is uh, giving the peak Uh, rate narrative a stronger footing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think U.S. Treasuries will fall into this year if, and this is a very important if, mm. uh, the non-farm farm payrolls continue to trend lower. In such a case, we think that the 10-year Treasuries will come below around 4% mm-hmm. uh, by the end of this year. Uh, regional markets, though, if you look at Malaysia, Indonesia, I think they actually may actually hold up a little bit better for longer. Okay, okay. And U.S. regulators also said last week, or they've unveiled last week, plans to force regional banks to issue debt. Those are steps, you know, essentially meant to protect the public in the event of more failures. I mean, American banks with at least 100 billion U.S. dollars in assets would be subject to these new requirements. And the banking sector has had some days to, you know, digest this news now. How have they responded? Yeah, so... When we look back in March, in terms of the U.S. regional banks, uh, what we saw was not a solvency crisis like mm-hmm. what we saw back in the global financial crisis, Lehman, but more of a liquidity crisis. So what the regulators are trying to do is to make it a priority to shore up liquidity for these banks to avert a repeat of this. However, mm-hmm. this is obviously coming at a cost to these banks as getting them to raise a lot of long-term debt in this very high-rate environment is going to be expensive. That's going to impact their earnings and performance. We saw, you know, throughout this crisis from March, you know, there was a market preference towards the bigger banks versus the more regional smaller banks in terms of share price performance. While I think the regulatory moves that are there will help restore confidence in the mm-hmm. mid-sized banks in the U.S., the debt raising will be an overhang for them at least in the near-term market performance. Okay, okay. And now let's move on to Asia and, of course, focus in on China here. Lilan, you know, Moody's on Friday, they've cut its 2024 economic growth forecast for China to 4% from 4.5%. And that's, you know, due to weak business and consumer confidence. How seriously should we be taking this projection? Yeah, so going into 2024, uh, while China is likely to see growth slipping off. Mm-hmm. 4% is probably on the lower end, mm. uh, while uh, private sector investment and household confidence is still quite fragile. We have seen the government stepping in, in especially the past two weeks, to revitalize the domestic domestic markets, whether it's a stock market. They've also been lowering borrowing costs for businesses. Mm-hmm. They've also been trying to put a bottom on the property downturn as well. Also, we've seen the Chinese authorities rolling back some housing purchase restrictions and also cutting mortgage lending rates. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, you know, this will lead to a mild resumption in property sales. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and also help arrest some of the uh, you know fall in sentiment that we've seen uh, particularly around the housing sector okay okay and staying in china as well you know five of china's largest banks they've reportedly cut interest rates on yuan deposits on friday and this comes after the people's bank of china also said it would reduce the foreign exchange reserve requirement ratio for financial institutions by 200 basis points starting from September 15th. Dylan, what will the impact of this move be on the Chinese economy then? Yeah, so I mean, cutting deposit rates would relieve uh, the net interest margin pressure that these banks have been having. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially remember that they were also nudged by the PBOC last week to lower the mortgage uh, lending rates to their existing borrowers. effectively setting off a wave of refinancing of outstanding home loans so this will help margin also uh, lowering the foreign exchange rrr uh, will release more foreign currency into the banking system as well this should help mitigate the depreciation pressure on the yuan mm-hmm. uh, which has been teasing around 7.3 against the us dollar this month mm-hmm. or in august rather Mm, okay. Okay. And speaking of China's economy too, we've got China's trade and inflation data this week that will, you know, likely signal that the economy's recovery remains fragile, and that would, of course, keep pressure on policymakers to roll out more stimulus. Dylan, what can we expect there, and how will markets react depending on the outcome of these data? Mm, so we think the government will need to balance stimulus. and growth mm-hmm. on one hand the local government debt is high so mm-hmm. they will uh, so it will be hard for them to take on more debt uh, and do deficit spending okay. on the other hand uh, more rate cuts from china would widen the rate gap with the fed so the chinese government here also will likely to tread fairly carefully mm-hmm. so we need to be mindful that the data that is coming out this week is august data mm. now if you look at the slew of easing measures that china rolled out a lot of that actually came in end of august and you know early this month so the government will most likely want to see how the economy responds to these measures mm-hmm. before going ahead and doing more Mm-mm. So how are markets likely to react to those kind of data? So I think the markets will uh, also kind of take a wait and see sort of approach mm-hmm. at, at this stage. I think the markets also will realize that you know sort of data points that are coming out are too early to kind of give an indication of the measures that the government has taken. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be more of a wait and see at this point. Mm, okay, okay. And let's move our conversation here to Singapore because I believe there's a big event happening here starting today and it's running till Wednesday and it's the Asia Pacific Petroleum Conference and this is organized by S&P Global Commodity Insights. It's the region's biggest industry gathering and it will reflect the oil market's current mood and possible clues about its future outlook. Dilan, what do you expect will be the main agenda items there? Yeah, so I mean I think it's easy to guess. I mean they've We've seen oil prices rally mm-hmm. to the highest since November. Russia has already announced export cuts, and uh, you know Saudi Arabia is likely to follow as well. On the demand side, if China's recovery gathers some steam and the U.S. economy continues to hum along, balances will be tight. So I think some of the main agenda points for discussion will be how sticky will demand be, mm-hmm. how much supply cuts are really enough. and also i think from a from a more medium term point of view uh how do you navigate supply or adding new supply amidst 
all these sustainability concerns. Right, right. Okay, okay. Well, what else should we be looking out for this week then, Thilan? So I think three uh, major sort of, um, you know, buckets of events that we're looking at. Uh, China Services PMI Mm -hmm. is set to come out Tuesday. So that should give us some further insights into China's recovery outlook. Uh, and over in Europe, we, we have German factory orders, Eurozone retail sales, French industrial production, which will give us some indications of how the EU's economic prospects are shaping up for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we have uh, the U.S. Uh, initial jobless came, claims, which will come out on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, this will provide uh, more clarity on the soft landing narrative that has been building steam. It looks like there's a lot to look out for. Thank you so much, Salon, for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Always a pleasure speaking to you. We've been speaking with Dilan Wickramasinghe, who is the head of equity research at Maybank Securities. I'm Hong Bin Jung, and this has been Money in the Market. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.